Good good morning to a very large um, unit of Kloof <laughs> out today. Um, if you don't know who I am, very good to meet you. My name is Sia, and I lead Kids Church up here in Kloof. Um, but at the moment, I'm, I'm doing, I think, three jobs, if I'm not mistaken, um, which is a blessing because uh, it's teaching me some skills that I think are going to help me for the rest of my life. Um, but last week, Caitlin shared on prayer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and Paul opened up with, what is the first one? Yeah? Fasting. There we go. I was testing all of you. All of you failed. Um <laughs> Um, but Paul opened up with fasting, Caitlin with prayer. Um, so Grant Hazel was actually supposed to do today's Shabbat preach, but um, he got COVID. Um, he sent me a message this morning and he says he's recovering well. So um, continue to pray for him and his family as they quarantine for the next couple of weeks. But um, he, he seems to be in good spirits. Um, so I, I, uh, I was called in off the bench. I was, I was ready. I was like, coach, put me in. Um, <laughs> and uh, here I am now. I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, but just for anyone who might be joining us at at like the last hour of of the series, so it's been a three week series. In case you didn't know, and in the first week we handed out these booklets. You're more than welcome to still grab one at the at the info desk at the desk over there. Otherwise, if you want it on your phone, you can also go onto our website otc.org.za and click on the remain section with with our series, and you can download that onto your phone to have the stuff. Um, uh, ready for you 24-7. But yeah, I'm going to get right into it. Um, So if you don't know what Shabbat is, Shabbat is the Jewish day of rest. Now, so in case you also didn't know, just a little bit of uh, context. Um, So the Jewish day begins at sunset and not at sunrise. So that will make their day of rest Friday afternoon, late sunset-ish, till Saturday um, on the day. So what had happened on that day is They'd finish work and they they would rush home, um, and the the woman traditionally would light the candle for for the for the dinner, and um, they would have a dinner together. They would break bread, which is that bread is known as um, challah bread, um, which is funny because challah in Zulu means greedy. So they would make themselves a loaf of greedy bread, and then and then the husband would would bless the bread, and we would pray for his his child and his spouse um and then they would enjoy a good meal they would share some wine traditionally they would pour the wine the wine into one glass and it basically have communion together um they will worship they will enjoy each other's company but that day is specifically set aside for them to both enjoy god and each other it, by each other i mean jewish people all together so then saturday morning they would wake up and go to the local synagogue they would go to church and they would read or study from the Torah, which, are the, which is the first five books of the Bible. And then after church, they would either go for a walk or go for a picnic, or you get to do whatever it is that you want to do, but it has to be minimal activity or minimal amount of labor. So if it's reading a book or if it's continuing to, continuing to study from the Torah, or um, if it's walking the dog or going for a picnic, just minimal labor. But what you're teaching yourself to do is to slow down and to breathe. Now, that rhythm was set forth by God, which is why they, they keep it to such a high standard. In all of Jewish culture, um, 
observing the Sabbath as one of the most important principles of building blocks of their faith. And that we have to keep this day because of the rhythm that Christ, um, God himself followed when he created the heavens and the earth. So he made the heavens and the earth. If, if you read Genesis chapter 1 um, towards, the, towards the end of chapter 1, like around 30, 31. And it says, he, after he made the heavens and the earth, he said that it was very good. And then the seventh day, he rested. He made that day holy. Now, that word holy doesn't necessarily mean perfect in the way that we've come to, to be told that it means. That word holy means to be set apart for God. So he was introducing a, um, a rhythm of life into the fabric of creation. And that you will work for six days, you will labor for six days. But in the same way that he rested on the seventh day, we also ought to rest on the seventh day. Now, the rest that I'm going to speak about today isn't necessarily just physical rest, because that's easy to get. If you just uh, sleep or you, re- or you don't do much or you relax at home or you read a good book or whatever it is that you need to do physically, that will um, re- recuperate and rejuvenate your body enough for you to gain the physical rest to then tackle the next day. It's like when you have, when you engage in like strenuous activity, um, say play basketball, uh, you, you get a little rest in between so that your body can recuperate or, re- or rejuvenate itself or recover from the strenuous activity. The physical rest is relatively easy to get. What I'm going to be speaking about today is getting to a state of spiritual rest and not just spiritual rest that is designated for a specific day, but spiritual rest that is designated for every single day of your life. So getting to a state of perpetual rest as opposed to specific rest. Are you guys still with me? There's a lot of content dumped there. Um, but I'm hoping that at the end of this message, we'll be able to get to a point where our lives, our daily lives are of such a rhythm that we are continuously in a state of rest, even though we also get to observe the seventh day of rest. That could be any day for you. It doesn't have to be on a Saturday. It can be on a Monday or whichever day that you designate. That this, this is the day I'm setting apart for God. Is that cool? Yes? No, maybe? <laughs> Fantastic. Because there's so few of us, I think it it would be um, ideal for us to say amen, to say preach it, and to say ride that bus. Amen. <laughs> we need more of those. Um, but the energy will, will I, I think, lift the atmosphere in the room. Not that you guys are not energetic, um, but it's just... Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> but it's just, just to... Um, raise the temperature, spiritual temperature a bit, it, it would help to um, get some feedback. What's up, girl? <laughs> uh, she's from Florida Road. Um, was it fully booked? Is that why you came here? There's always space in Kloof. We poach from other sites. <laughs> That's a joke. Um, but so after the book of Genesis, the very next inkling that we get for... Um, this idea of the Sabbath rest that we see in the book of Exodus, chapter 16 specifically. Because now the Israelites have been freed from captivity. Their whole lives, bear in mind, have been about work. Every single day, um, so seven days a week, 52 weeks in a year, their whole life has been around the work that they do because they've been slaves. So now they don't understand or even know of this idea of rest because they were slaves for many years. So now to introduce this idea of rest to them, God says to them that they, on the sixth day, they ought to collect twice as much food. Manna from heaven that fell, you collect twice as much. So on the seventh day, you get to rest. 
Now, that day of rest wasn't just for them to sit at the one and do nothing, but actually it was for them to both enjoy each other and to actually connect with God. So that's the second inkling that we get of this idea of rest. So at, at this point, I think it's safe for us to assume or even conclude that it's a very, very important thing to God for us to be able to enter into a state of rest. Because after that, Moses goes up to uh, Mount Sinai and comes back down with the Ten Commandments. And one of them was, remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath. So he's making it a part of their, a part of their way of living, not from a point of uh, legalism, but from a point of rhythm. The rhythm of your life that you ought to remember the Sabbath. To work as much as you need to work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. You will stop and you will breathe. That's the rhythm that he introduced into the fabric of living. Now, um, I was having a meeting uh, with Diane a few weeks ago. And she asked me this question after I told her about what I do in in the course of a week. She's like, how do you rest? And then it's an important question for us to actually answer as well. How do we rest? How do you rest? That might be an easy question to answer for some of us. Like for Grant Hazel, that's an easy question for him to answer. If you ask him, how do you rest? Oh, my goodness. 45 minutes later, he's still telling you how he rests. Um, (laughs) But he just has this great ability to get into a state of rest. So when she asked me that question, um, as all pastors do, you begin to answer because you think you're going to find yourself along the way. And then I was like, I'm so sorry, Dan. I actually don't know. Um, Because all the answers that I was giving wasn't actually... Um, my way of, I realized that it used to work before, but it doesn't actually work now. So just to give you an idea of what my week looks like, on, and this is like um, uh, at its minimal, minimal expression. Like sometimes they are a lot busier than this. Um, so I wake up at about quarter to four in the mornings. Shout out to the old folks. <laughs> um, I wake up at about quarter to four every morning, and then I study from five to, from four to five. And then I walk to gym from 5 to half past 5. Um, I train for about an hour. And then I walk back home. And then I, I get ready for work, listen to worship music, pray. Um, and then it's eight o- like 7.30, 8 o'clock by that time. Um, get to work. And then work, I can't even tell you what each day looks like. They all look so different. Um, but I work from like 8 till about 3. Generally, I like to get home and rest and then continue studying. Or I like to read, there's two books that I'm reading at the moment. Um, or I like to, so I'm studying personal training and so, like I'll get back and I'll do research or watch videos on, on YouTube about the thing that I'm studying and how to expand my knowledge a little bit more. And that generally takes me to about seven-ish o'clock. And I go to bed at eight, um, which is a very odd thing to say for someone my age. But I go to bed very early because um, I wake up very early and you Eight hours is just as important as good nutrition for anyone that trains. Eight hours sleep. Um, so then I follow that rhythm every day. Sometimes I get to bed at eight. Other times I get to bed at like 10 because I have a church thing that you need to get to. Um, or there's a friend that wants to hang out. Or And then Saturday is, is generally like my more chilled days. Um, so I wake up at like half past five. Um, and then... <laughs> And then I go play basketball for like an hour and, or some change. Um, and then I get back. I'll continue studying. I'll go hang out with someone for a little bit. Um, I can't binge watch things anymore, which is also a very odd thing to say for someone young. Um, I just find this like a waste of time because um, something better I could be doing. Uh, and then and then Sundays, obviously, I, I have, I'm working. 
That's a very chilled week. Now, at the end of that, you got, I mean, I got to ask myself, where is my point of rest? Like, sometimes I don't get a moment where I get to cut out time where I'm devoting completely to just spending it with God. So then I actually realized, and thinking about this, that to get to a state of perpetual rest might just be the better solution. Because right now, my season, the season of life is very busy, and it's going to get busier as well because there's more things that I want to do. Um, so now I needed to figure out how do I enter into a state of perpetual rest where I'm continuously in rest. If you go read Hebrews 4, it highlights this idea of perpetual rest very well. But I want to tell you my experience and what I've come to realize about my own life. And maybe you can glean some stuff or learn some stuff and apply that to yours as well. So there are two things that I want to have realized that I want to share with us today on how we enter into a state of perpetual rest. The first of those is that we uh, need to remain connected to God. Every single day, we need to remain connected to God. And the second thing is that we need to remain connected in godly community. Not just any community, but godly community. Because not everyone that's in your life should have the right to tell you what you should do or influence the decisions that you make. That circle needs to be actually quite small. If you look at Jesus, he had the 120, the 72, the 12, and the 3. Those circles are there for a reason. Because there's... um, so much of yourself that you need to give to the 120 that you ought to give to the 72, the 12, and the 3. The 3 were his closest mates that got to see so much more of him than, than the 120 or even the 72. It's the same kind of structure that we ought to apply to our own lives. Not everyone, at, like the 120 friends that you have, all of them can't be the ones that weigh in on decisions that you need to make. So godly community is relatively smaller because of of the level of your chest that you open up to them and who you are and they get to speak into that as well so the first thing that i want to speak about and unpack is this idea of remaining connected to god now what i've found is a hindrance to that is um when i relate or relate to god based on my performance and even a step beyond that when i relate god's character based on the circumstances that i face or even experience because we go through things in life. And number one, we also do things in life. Maybe you can relate to this as well, but I've found that in my own life, when I've done the wrong thing, my understanding has been that God turns his back on me. When I don't do the thing that God has called me to do or the thing that I even think is the right thing to do, then God must will most probably have turned his back on me because I'm not living up to his standard. And the next thing that I also realize that I do is that when things don't go the way that I think that they should go or that the way that I've been praying that they should go in, then my assumption or my thinking is, oh, well, then God must not be on my side. God must be against me. I begin to draw conclusions on, on what I think his character is like based on how circumstances play out, which is wrong. If we look at this idea of, of how God sees us now, There is one person's performance that actually matters so much more than ours. And that's the performance of his son, whom he sent for all of creation. For all of us, you and me, while we were still sinners to die for us on the cross, that he might reestablish a connection with God. So when God sees you, he looks at you through the lens of his son. And he says that you are righteous, you are holy, you are loved, you are set apart for me. You are justified, you are in a process of looking a whole lot more like my son. So because of what Jesus did for us, that changed our position in Christ. So now we are no longer sinners, but we are sons and daughters of a king. 
You're a son and a daughter of a king. And no matter what you do, no matter what I do, that will never change. Unless, of course, I actively choose to denounce God and turn away from him, that will never change. So no matter how my performance looks or the circumstances that I face, I am still a son of God. I am still a son of a king. You are still a son of God. You are still the son of a king. You're still a daughter of a king. Your position has not changed and will not change based on your performance because of what Christ did for you and for me. So I have every right then to walk into the presence of God and remain there because of what Jesus did, because he calls me son, because he calls me daughter. I get to remain in a state of rest with him because of what Jesus did for me. In the same way that all of us here today have every right, no matter our performance, to walk into the presence of God because of our position. Every single right. I don't care what the enemy has told you or continues to tell you even today. That stuff is, falls short in comparison to the stuff that God says about you. The enemy no longer has any power in your life if we choose to remain in the position that Christ has put us in that we are sons and daughters of a king and we get to remain in a state of rest with him. So your position today, if you have made him your Lord and Savior, is that you are a son and a daughter. And from there, it will influence our performance. We are on a journey. You don't have to be perfect, but you are absolutely set apart for God. You are holy. So do not disqualify yourself from entering into a state of rest because of what you do. You have every right to enter into a state of rest because of what Jesus did for you. Amen? Amen. The next thing that I realized, or 1B, um, of entering into a state of perpetual rest, is that we have to remain very, very close to Jesus. We have to stick very, very close to Jesus in everything that we do. His way of living needs to influence every single facet of our lives. So to share a little bit more of what actually what actually happened some in, in some of those mornings when I was walking to gym is that the 30 minutes that I take to walk to gym, I would talk to myself and and um a couple of weeks ago I was just going through something really difficult with my friends. So I'd like I'd vent out my frustrations. But not even like I'm, I'm talking to God, I'm just venting out frustrations to no avail, obviously, because um, I'd still be just as frustrated when I walk back home, when I finish spending time with God, when I'm going th- about my day. The weight had not been lifted off my shoulders. I was still just frustrated all the time, even with my venting sessions on my way to gym. And after some time, I realized that's not actually a very healthy thing to do. That's not a healthy way to live my life. So eventually, I chose to repurpose that time. So now those 30 minutes that I take walking to the gym, I'm going to actually pray and invite God into that space. So now when I walk to the gym, hey God, um, I'm trusting you for this thing. I'm going to be writing exams soon. Please help me to be disciplined in my prep. I'm going to be doing this thing. Please won't you be very clear on what I should do next. Won't you put into my heart what I should do next? Hey, there's this girl. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, uh, I'm actually, I'm not even joking. I, 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 I said that recently. <laughs> Um, but I get to invite him into every single aspect of my life because I've repurposed that time where it was a venting session. Now I'm getting to offload to God 
And what I found is that when it, when I start my day, no matter if I have the solutions or I felt God give me a response, I feel so much lighter because now I've offloaded to God. And, and there's a thing within me that's like, you can trust him with that part. I can trust him with this information. I can trust him with this load. I can trust him with this weight. It's no longer on my shoulders. Yes, I still have to do the hard part of outworking what it looks like and um, to get to a conclusion in certain things. But I can trust him with this part. So I get to work feeling lighter, freer, to be able to um, live well. And there's a verse in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, that speaks of this so beautifully um, in the message translation. And it says this. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. And watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's how we get to live every single day of our lives. When we keep company with Jesus, we will learn to live freely and lightly. Because the state of rest means that we get to trust him. It's, a, it's an act of faith. I trust him with the work that I'm going to be doing for this week. I don't have to toil or, or uh, um, work extra hard to prepare myself for the week to come. I trust you with that part. I want to keep company with you. And every aspect, whether it's walking into a meeting, whether it's uh, having a uh, difficult conversation or whether it's um, enjoying the company of your friends, we get to keep company with Jesus even in those moments to remain in a state of perpetual rest and not just specific rest that we get on the days that we set apart to be with him. So the first thing is that we have to um, not disqualify ourselves because of our performance but qualify ourselves because of Christ's performance and therefore remain in the position of sons and daughters. And the second part is that we have to remain in relationship with Jesus. That's 1B. Number two, and I'm coming to a close very quickly. I can see the sun is doing things to you guys. You guys are, you guys are going to evaporate just now. Um, <laughs> um, the second part is that we have to remain in godly community. So this is what I've realized of late in my own life is that um, some friendships are for a season, not forever. And other friendships, you need to be intentional in keeping them forever because of the role that they play in your life. So now I've, my mom, number one, she is number one on that list of being in my life forever. She's not just my mom, but she's in my godly community. Just the other day, I, I, I called her and I was just telling her, um, about just some stuff that I was experiencing and and um, things that I've cho I've chosen to do in in looking after myself, like taking out life cover and funeral cover and wanting to get a will done, like big boy stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, just telling her about just the situation with my car, um, and she gets to encourage me along the way that you should uh, just pray and trust God that He will provide. And when I get to say like a beautiful story, oh, someone blessed me with the parts to fix my car, we get to, we get to look at God. Like, just look at the goodness of God. She does it so beautifully and so well. 
that I, I don't I don't think I'll so I had to learn actually to to open up to my mom because I was I'm like my dad I'll say like five words and a phone call and that's it I had to learn to open my chest up to her um, and in that conversation she asked me have you are you still praying for a wife I'm like yes mom <laughs> uh, but those are the conversations that we get to have together she's part of my godly community um, when I was having a difficult time figuring out and navigating a tough season um, I get to go to Ross and Paul and be like here's what I feel God saying what do you think not even because I'm saying they, should, they have the power to tell me what to do, but their thoughts and their perspective weigh in on my thinking. So now I get to go back to God and be like, Paul said, this element is actually very good. I get to go contemplate that and figure out, okay, cool, God, what's the next best move from here? They get to influence my thinking. And in what they're doing, they're also pointing me to God. Make sure you aren't deviating from the course that God has set for you. Make sure this isn't you chasing after something that serves the flesh and not um, serves your faith. They get to serve that role in my life. And the godly community that you surround yourself with also serves that role. That even though they get to speak into your life, they still point you to Christ. And in difficult seasons, they get to remind you of who you are and who God is in your life. When we get to a point of forgetting the character of God, they get to remind you of who he is. When I walked through a difficult season with my sister, the best thing that I could have had around me was my godly community. My friends that got to sit with me in the difficulty of that pain, but still remind me of the character and nature of God. Because sometimes and very often, God speaks to you through the people that you have around you. So godly community helps us remain in a state of rest, even when we, when we forget how to remain in rest. So choose your friends or your godly community wisely because they play a significant role in your state of rest, in your state of internal peace. Are you guys still with me? Beautiful. So here's what I want you guys to do this week to bring this to a close. If you, if you go to your booklet, um, you remember a couple of weeks ago we, we fasted? This week, you're going to you're going to have a Shabbat meal on either Friday or Saturday. I'd, I'd recommend Saturday so that you can come to church on Sunday. Um, but you get this invite that you get to send to friends. I would, I would encourage you to send this to people that are far from God, who have felt that God is not for them, who have turned their back on God or, or, or starting to fall away. But people that are far from God, I'd encourage you to invite those people in, in as much as you might invite a friend or two. But bring people that are far from God into godly community. You might be the means with which God speaks to that person's life. So if you can, if you can do that, I would really, really encourage you to do that. So invite someone over for a Shabbat meal. Um, and what's also in here is, is how to make the, the challah bread. Um, so you get to make that loaf of bread and you get to share communion together. Um, but it also has the prayers that you get to pray. So for the, uh, the husbands or the fathers of the house, you guys get to pray this prayer over your, your kids and over your, your wife and bless the food and bless you guys' time together. So it's a beautiful way to cap off this very deep and intimate series. I don't know for you, but this series has felt very intimate for me, um, intimate with, with, with God, um, not the other intimacies. Um, but that's been my experience. We get to do that now. Have a very beautiful Shabbat meal 
with someone at the end of the week. So think of some people that you can invite. Um, and I'd invite you to, I'd encourage you to invite some people that are very, very far from God. Because um, you might just be their means of getting back into church. Is that all right? Fantastic. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I'm going to pray that we all have a, a Shabbat week. Heavenly Father, we um, thank you so, so much, first of all, for what, the, for what your son did for us on the cross, that we might be able to sit in spaces like these um, and learn how to remain in a state of rest. We invite you into every single facet of our lives, allowing you to influence and impact the decisions that we make and how we respond to difficult and even good circumstances that come our way. We pray that we apply your character to the lens of how we view the circumstances that we face, that you can still absolutely be, be trusted in um, whatever difficult or beautiful circumstance, that you are still God and you're absolutely still good. Won't you help us this week to um, find ways to remain in a state of rest with you? That as we build up to a, a Shabbat meal, we pray that you would impress people on our hearts to invite that we might bring them closer, bring them back into your community. Jesus, we love you, and we're so grateful for this series in our lives. Help us to remain connected to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a fantastic week. Uh, we love you. There's no coffee, unfortunately, so you can't actually get coffee here at the, at the country club, just right here by the restaurant. So don't rush off. We'd love to enjoy some, some time with you. Lovely.